Welcome to the Amazon Legends Podcast, where we have real stories about making it big on Amazon. Our guests are CEOs of large companies and entrepreneurs who became powerful sellers, also experts specializing in helping sellers, and both former and current Amazon employees who will give us an insight from behind the scenes. Here's your host, Nick Urison. Hello, everybody. Welcome to another episode of Amazon Legends. And today we actually have a part two of a guest that we had before with Jelco Products because we had the CEO uh, previously, Jason Langston. And Jason was such a high level person and he was so focused on his vision and how he was building the company in terms of the product vision and, and what kind of an organization he wanted to have. But um, whenever I tried to nail him down to specifics in the operational parts, he would say, well, Kathleen is the one. Kathleen is this, Kathleen is that. So I said, look, we, we've got to have a part two and bring Kathleen on board so that we can really see and, and hear how the whole thing uh, has been built and how Jelco is operating. So, so with that, uh, I have Kathleen Woodall, and Kathleen is, the, is also the co-founder and the president of Jelco, and uh, she's co-authored several patents with Jason Langston uh, on Jelco products going back uh, several years, and also she's an artist. <laughs> she paints regularly and uh, she's not exhibiting yet. She's entertaining offers, but soon. <laughs> it's, a, it's my passion. Yeah. For sure. and, uh, so uh, Jalco products uh, are uh, the kind of products that help us maximize our potential. And that happens while we are sitting. Yes. So if you are sitting comfortably, you can get the highest return on your work. Yes. But if you're not, then obviously you're not going to be maximizing your potential. And that's what Jelco does and seat cushions and, and others. So, um, so with that, uh, Kathleen, so we talked about different challenges, but you really are the, the engine behind Jelco and executing the strategy. So tell me something that, that you are doing really well to contribute to the success of Jelco brand. Okay. Yeah, I have to say that that um, I may be the engine, but Jason and I really are a team. And so uh, I may be doing the nuts and bolts and the, you know, actually push and go, but it's really a, an interesting teamwork that we have. And we, we are good counterpoints. Um, back in the day, you know, you talk about being comfortable and maximizing, maximizing your, your potential. And it really is, you know, more about, well, it's that, but it is more than that. It's, it's actually improving your life. I mean, we really want to be a regenerative organization with, with a product that is considered regenerative because we're looking at the whole person. Um, when you're sitting, I mean, they're likening it to smoking now, right? You know, and and our, our lifestyles are so much more sedentary now and, and you're just, yeah, it's, it has so many implications to your health. So what we want to do is build the whole person and bring into 
our company, not just selling products, not just, you know, making money, but actually helping the people who are using our products to better their lives. So yes, when you sit on our product, hands down, I believe it's the best product on the market. Um, when I got started, the reason I was so uh, passionate about this is that I was doing market research in telecommunications and I had a project that I was working on. I literally worked 20 hours a day for four days in a row to get it done. I was looking for anything to sit on and there was nothing on the market unless you wanted to buy a $400 wheelchair cushion, which at the time was just you know, a square piece of foam with maybe some other kind of, you know, tricky things in the surface or whatever, but it, it really wasn't anything on the market. And I was miserable. I mean, and I just thought, holy cow, there is a, there's a gap in this market and we could do something really good with this. And we all kind of laughed. We had a gel wrist rest and a gel mouse pad. So we needed butt gel, you know, to sit on. And that was the, uh, the, the prototype name in the beginning. And it started off with just, you know, making myself comfortable and wanting something to be able to sit on it, even, even a decent chair. You know, you can buy a, a $1,500 chair and it doesn't address the point of contact where you're actually, where your behind sits on the surface of the chair. It doesn't address that. So when you sit on our product, it, it makes you sit up a little bit better. You, you have a, a better uh, forward pelvic tilt, which keeps your low backs, you know, curvature in the right place. So, you know, it definitely helps you be meeting your potential. It helps your health. It helps your mindset. It helps everything in your life. If you spend as much time as I do sitting in, at my desk, you need to have something that's going to be um, functional and isn't going to be just a throwaway piece of foam that compresses and doesn't keep its ergonomics. So, yeah, I mean, this is a big deal. I mean, I learned the hard way uh, when pandemic started. I mean, I, I, I'm fairly active. I, I was running 20 miles a, a week, going mm -hmm. to the gym, you know, three times a week. Uh, yeah. I, I was active, um, but with, everything being in lockdown mode. And as it happens at the time, of course, then we had nothing else but work. So right. sitting in front of the computer, I mean, after one year, almost a year of sitting and working and without really being active, I developed back problems. I mean, yeah. I'm getting up, I, it, I started to feel pain and I actually had to go to physical therapy. So, I mean, the, the, the product, it's so easy to overlook and say, right. oh, you know, what's the big deal? Just put the cushion on. No, it's not. It's your, your pasture is everything. And, and, and there is nothing like back pain, nothing no. like back pain. In fact, <laughs> back pain is, back pain is like the number one reason for lost hours at work. In yeah. Yeah. I mean, toothache, toothache, uh, stomach, stomach. Yeah. And back pain, so back those pain. are like killers. So now right. let's let's uh, jump into the the the, the, the heavy duty operational aspect of distributing your product. Because um, when I spoke to Jason, he was talking about going after catalogs, airlines, right. airline catalogs, and all. It's creating a supply chain, and then you get you jump into Amazon world then that kind of came back and, and, and bit you, right? So, yeah, a little bit. Yeah. Yeah. So tell yeah, us about, yeah. that's the interesting story. How did you deal with, so what, what happened and, and how did you deal with it and how, 
how it benefited you. Yes. Yeah, we were in all of the major catalogs. We're still in Hamaker Schlemmer. I think we're probably the longest running product in Hamaker. We've been there since 2006. Wow. And their, their typical run rate is like two to three years. So we were doing really well in the print catalog world. We were at Brookstone, Sharper Image, and you know all of the, the big names, plus all, a, a whole slew of smaller catalogs. And so in 2014, everybody started to really kind of move over and want to put their stuff on uh, Amazon. And so we're like, okay, you know, that we're good. That's fine. Everybody had agreed to the map policy. Everybody was playing really nice. And then a few bad players come in and go, okay, we're going to just sell it under a different DBA. Yeah, we'll sign your agreement, but we're going to, we're going to just, Put, our, put these listings up under another DBA. And of course, Amazon doesn't share that information. So you can't really tell who it is. So we would have to put a sticker. We gave every distributor a number and um, you know every shipment that went out was identified with the number. So we would have to then go buy the product, see who it was, have a conversation and say, well, you know, we're not gonna sell to you anymore. So after about six months of that, we're looking at our, at our, you know, our, our list of uh, distributors, going, you know, this is just going to continue to, to go downhill and they're they're ruining our retail price point and they're not representing our brand properly. They're just kind of going off into the wild west and, and just trying to compete on price, which is not, it's just not the way to sell a product. So I, I, I just a couple of questions uh, to bring a better perspective because what you are explaining is so strategic. Uh, a lot of people don't really get it. First of all, at that point in time, are you an Amazon seller or are you a vendor to Amazon? Which which program were you in? We were actually not. We we did have some listings up. We had started to put up a store in 2014, but we weren't really focusing on it because we didn't want to, you know, really compete with our distribution. So uh, we just were selling to our distributors who were then selling on Amazon. I see. And so you are not. So you created an account, but didn't really operate. Didn't really it. focus on it. Instead, right. you relied on the resellers. Okay. Yes. So, so, so then, you are not there. Right. Okay. So then, in 2015, uh, you know, we we basically took the the stance that we were going to get rid of anybody who was going to sell on Amazon and basically limit everybody. No, we will not sell to you if you're going to sell our stuff on Amazon. And if we catch you doing it, we'll just won't ever sell, sell to you. So ever that's, again. My, that's my second question, uh, because I get this from some manufacturers. Mm -hmm. At the end of the day, these distributors that you're selling to, you're selling at wholesale price, right? Yes, right. So whether they discount it or not, you are still getting the same price. Yes. Why should you care about them discounting? Yeah, because the margins go down and down and down, and pretty soon nobody's making any money, including us, because sales disappear. I mean, you you know you can you can continue to sell at a lower price, but sooner or later you're going to run out of margin. And these guys, I mean, the the print catalogs were, you know, they require a sixty percent markup. These guys were, at, you know, they were operating on thirty percent margins, so they they just they just cut the price and just you know destroy the retail price point, which then who else is going to want to sell it? You know, you can't, you can't be selling on Hallmarker Schlemmer for a product that's $119 in their catalog and have it be $79 on Amazon. It's going to destroy their business too. 
So it was disrupting our, our wholesale distribution side. And it was, you know, it, it just was a big mess for everything. And we saw the writing on the wall and we just said, you know, we can't do this. I mean, this is one of the things that I think is a hallmark of our, our um, company for almost 20 years now is that we pivot very quickly. We, we see it and we go, okay, we got to make the change. And that change was, it was painful the first year because we, we cut our distribution by, oh my gosh, you know, probably 60% and fired all of those people and hopped into Amazon full time. And I know Jason mentioned hiring a, um, a consultant to kind of do a little research. And so yeah, yeah. the well, one thing, 90 days. I, yeah. yeah. <laughs> and then what you find out is that no matter what you think, you know, you don't know anything until you get into it and you're in Amazon and you're putting the listings up and you're messing with all of that stuff in the back office and your photographs and everything. I've had people come to me and say, can you help me put this listing up? You know, uh, I've spent $2,500, $3,000 on, on YouTube videos that, you know, somebody put up and said, we're the guru, right? Well, they never have the right information. And then when you finally get into the nitty gritty of what Amazon was, it, you know, it's completely different. So so uh, so let me understand because what you did is is is, is huge as a, as a manufacturer with a distribution network so uh, you identified your distributors who were bad actors right, right? That's yes good. and then you cut them out or you told them you can't do this anymore we give we, how did you deal with it we gave them an option we have about three or four left that still sell our, our, our products, but they don't sell our products on Amazon. And occasionally we get something that leaks through and they've been really good about, oh my gosh, we'll take it right down. Sorry, you know, we have a new person. Um, but they've, they, so these guys have been really true to their word and they do not sell our products on Amazon. So if you look at our listings now, we only have one seller of our products. It's not us at this moment because we had some things that happened with Amazon in 2018 and we had to do another pivot but um you know so, uh, you uh, you your policy now is for your distributors they're not allowed to sell on amazon they're not allowed to sell on amazon right and um so this is obviously for those who are listening this is very important so uh, first of all you have to have an agreement with distributors spelling out what the selling rights are on Amazon, yeah. right? Yeah. So, so they have to agree to it. And the other thing is you may want, you may want some of them to sell some sure. of your products, but that has to be all spelled out. And either right. way, they have to adhere to your map policy, right? Yes, absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. So that's a major change in, in terms of company policy. And also it take, you can't just do this overnight, right? You have to get no. notice and then it, and they complain, and, yeah. and and then the 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 other side of it is it, it costs you business, right? You just yeah. cash flow. Yeah. So 2015 was a tough year, and you know our first our first year on Amazon was you know it was decent, but then we had almost gosh 400 percent increase from the first year to the second year. So it was so worth it, and and now you know we have control of our brand. We have control of our pricing and, uh, you know, it just, it made all the difference it, for the long term. You, you just can't have a bunch of people selling your 
products unless you're you know hitachi or i don't know, you yeah, know some yeah. I mean, really big brand yeah so <laughs> so what i'm hearing really is i mean there are two types of brand brands or brand owners i should say mm -hmm. uh, companies that own brands one is either exclusively built for online mm -hmm. or they just happen to sell direct to consumer and this was the natural environment so there there is no distribution network they are the only ones and there's no other seller right so that's one of course that comes with no problems but then you have the burden of obviously promoting and everything you have to do right. yourself and then the other type is it operates a supply chain you have distributors wholesalers so if you go that route which tends to be the route most entrepreneurs go you know right they're trying to get shelf space and blah blah and then you've got to have a policy that spells out the selling rights every price points and all that stuff and definitely and, and then everything <laughs> afterwards is just too messy <laughs> Yeah, no, you can't. You, that's the lesson. That's, that's yeah. destruction. Uh, you just you won't survive. I don't think. So, uh, so tell me uh, about <laughs> some of the things that that you've done. So, uh, I heard you say earlier you started a seller account, but then you didn't really put focus on it. Instead, okay. you supported the distributors. Are you still doing that? Or uh, you, you know, I still have brand ownership. I still have my A plus uh, content that I manage in our storefront. We are not actively selling from our storefront because in 2018, which we were really on the way to having our best year, um, our biggest seller was pulled, suspended. And I, th I think there was some confusion when you and Jason were talking about, about they deleted our, our item, but that wasn't the case. They suspended our best seller right as we slid into the holiday it was november 7th 2018 and what was the reason well we had a customer out of out of one distribution center in fresno california that kept getting the wrong item they were ordering a gc ultra and getting a gc classic and it turns out that our manufacturer had mislabeled about i don't know maybe 40 items and sent it in to the system as we, you know, started at the holiday and they pulled the item, pulled the, pulled the listing and it was crickets. You know, you couldn't get an answer from anybody. They just, it, it was right at the beginning of when Amazon was killing seller central support. And I had found a way around the VRU. Basically at that time you could zero out and ask for seller support and they would they would connect you, you know? And then I found out that if you called early in the morning, we're in Arizona, so if you called early in the morning, you would probably get an English speaking person. If you didn't call early in the morning, you were sent to the Philippines or wherever and, and it was just a nightmare. I, I talked to one woman who um, made a statement to me about the, the trouble ticket that was opened on, the, on our product and she said, the investigation has been completed. You know, she, she, everything you wanted to hear, right? So I repeated it back to her. And she said, oh, no, that's not what I said. And she, she basically backtracked completely and said the investigation had never even been started. So you get these people that don't know what they're doing. They don't know English as a first language. 
it's really difficult to communicate. And then, so you open the ticket, you have this conversation, and then it sits there and it goes nowhere and you have to open another <laughs> ticket. And then, you know, they're merging all these tickets. And, and at the end, I was just, people, <laughs> it's holiday. <laughs> you're, you're ruining our, our season, you know? Can you help me? <laughs> yeah. And it was, uh, it was really a frustrating situation. So this is, a, this is a very good point. So there's something called listing quality. Mm -hmm. And the, the listing quality <laughs> is basically how the physical product in terms of the product itself, its packaging, match the information that is displayed on the page. Yes. And <clears throat> what happened to you is unfortunately one of those things that are so easy to happen, which is why this listing quality index is created. I mean, Amazon creates an index for everything. That's important. <laughs> yeah, right. So what you need, so what I did when I worked with my clients, I, I mean, this is something you have to do yourself where you randomly check every batch of shipment that you're sending to Amazon you, and you register the numbers, how many pieces were sent out and how many pieces were checked. And then at the company level, at the policy level, you say, okay, our inspection rate will be 30%. That means one out of three pieces you're looking at physically. Yes, right. Open and and uh, so that's how you catch these things. And, right. and if you cannot catch them, then you're going to get a performance right. notification. Right. And, and we, we were shipping out of our out of our manufacturer who had previously for you know gosh we were with them since 2009 they you know they were pretty good about what they did but man this time yeah. it just yeah you have, to, you have to yeah. stay on top of it yourself you have to look at every number so yeah. Um, yeah and then when you get those notifications you have to really study it because they are the early warning so this, i mean it's already too right. late you got but and in fact the the first ticket i opened i i really thought that it might have been a return that had been mislabeled by somebody in the Fresno warehouse because the complaint came out of Fresno twice. And then, you know, of course, after that, it was a cascade of them. But, but in the beginning, we thought it was just Fresno. So maybe they'd taken a return and, and re-labeled it and put it back out, right? Yeah. But yeah, so that was the shot across the bow. But so, was, uh, so tell us about this. Um, your Amazon journey, so to speak. So you, you, I heard you say that you know it was catalog first, but then things started to move to Amazon. So right. you, as a result, decided to go to Amazon. But I heard uh, an intricate detail there. So you started an Amazon account, mm -hmm. but then you decided, no, no, we're gonna support our distributors. So. Why, why did that switch occur? Because the distributors did not support us. <laughs> you know, they, they were, you know, it was a free for a free for all. I mean, if they could get the buy box, they were going to get it and just drop the price. They had the margin to, to be able to support that kind of a price cut and they just didn't care. So that was where we just said, you know, we have to have control of our brand. We have to have control of our pricing it just you can't be on Amazon and not have control of it. Yeah. So and, when, 
But what, what I want to know is because this happens to, you know, we say in, uh, I belong to an organization, entrepreneurs organization, and we say, nobody's problems are unique. So, <laughs> so what the problem you experience, so what I'm pointing to is you started an Amazon account. This is early. Mm -hmm. But you decided, no, we're not going to sell it. We're going to let our distributors sell it. So right. why did you not continue with that? Instead, defer to your distributors. Why did we not continue with the Amazon store? Yeah. Yeah, you know, it was, it was new. Uh, we were a small company. We didn't really have the resources to put the time into it and do it well. So we figured we'll just hang back until we get to a point where we could do that. And then it just became a necessity, and I, I jumped in and um, became the nuts and bolts of yeah. it. The complexity it of it, right? Complexity yeah. of it. Yeah. yeah. I mean, I remember trying to figure out how to use the Celix software. I don't know if you're familiar with Celix. Yeah. yeah. Oh, my goodness. It was, <laughs> you know. And, and we were doing pretty well by that time, but uh, I got solicited by a guy who uh, turns out I was his first client. This was in 2015. Um, we were doing really well. And or actually 2016. And uh, so Matt called me and, and, you know, basically sold me on his ability to manage the listings and do the optimization and HTML coding and all of the things that I didn't know how to do. And he also knew their algorithms for the, the, you know, ad stuff. And just, it was amazing what, what he spoke to. I was like, oh, this guy really sounds like he knows what he's doing. He was the first person in, at that point, 15 years that we had ever engaged and he delivered. I mean, we had a 30% increase in sales after Matt came on board. And oh my gosh, it, it just like changed the landscape and took so much pressure off of me because he had actually worked on the Wonder Gel uh, account way back in the day on Amazon. So he knew the market, he knew Amazon, he knew all of our stuff. It was just a really good fit. And, and it just, it was, a, it was a match made in heaven. So what I'm hearing is, first of all, do not discount Amazon as a channel. No, never, you yeah. can't. Yeah. Second, do not outsource it to your distributors. You have to no. be there and right. do not be discouraged by the complexity because it is com complex, but right. you have to, you have to do it. You have to be there. You have to endure it, so to speak, and yes. seek professional help. Guidance. Trying to figure it out yourself is a no-no. Yeah, it really <laughs> is. It, it's no man's land. And especially now it's even more complicated. Yeah. Now, there's, there's something else, by the way. You mentioned YouTube videos. So, you know you know how it is. Nothing on the internet ever goes away. So <laughs> people put those videos up. Yeah, they were from four years ago. Yeah, I mean, they're outdated. You don't know what is the latest information. No. So uh, going by YouTube videos is, is really not no way to go. I mean, no. I always say this. If you have money in your pocket, you look after it. If you have yeah. money in the bank, you look after it. Right. When you buy inventory, that's still cash. Yes. But as yet, you just go do the doing these things that really you don't know how to do, and right. you're playing with your money, and you're no longer looking after it. I, it yeah. makes no sense to me. But people, no, right. 
So I, we, you know, this was one of those serendipitous things that have happened to us all along since the beginning. Um, just, you know, and you go with your intuition, you just because most of the time people that we've talked to, oh, we're going to, you know, we're going to increase your business 300% in the next 90 days. I mean, they promise things that could never be, yeah, yeah. you know, it's, it's come to fruition. And Matt was just like, you know, he just, you got, and you got to do your due diligence. I mean, I talked to his custody, his other people that, you know, he like sort of, you know, vetted him, even though he, we were, we were actually his first customer. So it wasn't actually talking to other customers, but um, you know, he definitely, uh, he delivered. So there are guys out there that can do it. When you are running your Amazon operation, what are the numbers you watching? Oh my gosh, your ROAS, your your customer, uh, you know, reviews and all of that stuff. I mean, there's so many different things. So you're in your advertising side, you know, our our ROAS was somewhere in the neighborhood of um, like, you know, 15%, between nine and 15% when Matt was doing it. And so you're watching those numbers, you're watching your, um, your account health, your you know, the health of your product, whether or not people are, oh my gosh, how many people would confuse the, um, the seller review versus the product review. So we would get people who didn't receive their uh, prime delivery within two days and they would leave a product review. And so we were always constantly having to watch that and police the um the commentary and everything and of so course what now do you, what do you do when that happens if they receive especially if you are doing fba amazon is supposed to ship and now you right. end up with a bad product review or something were, that has nothing to do with you right they were actually pretty good about um deleting it at first they would delete the comment and then they started just striking through it so if you if you scroll down you could actually see the comment that somebody had made but it would say it had a disclaimer on it that Amazon takes responsibility for this, you know, delivery fault, whatever, you know. But um, of course, you know, you had to you had to have opened a, a trouble ticket with seller support. You had to go through the whole nine yards to get that done. Um, By the way, uh, you know the latest, and I don't know how long this is. It's it's recent anyway. Uh, you're right. If you found something like that, you would have to open a ticket. But now you can actually do it yourself. They have an option there. And then you can really? select in the cell. This is for seller rating. If somebody left a negative feedback due to delivery and uh, it was FBA, you can elect to remove it. To, okay. Well, that's it. That, see, I'm not doing the nuts and bolts today. So I didn't know that. I do know that they've taken away. Oh, it's change something every day. I mean, yeah. You, so, I mean, uh, you know, it, it, it's sad that they've taken away the ability to answer for, for sellers to answer customer questions. And because that was a big thing. People would ask us all kinds of questions about, you know, the differences between our products. And you, it's difficult to see that in a listing. And you, you pull up a couple of different listings with a comparison. And, you know, it's it's difficult when it's a seat cushion, you you want to be able to touch it and feel it, you know, and you really can't. Yeah, yeah. And so uh, that was, you know, it just made it difficult. So uh, I, among the numbers that you watch, do you also monitor how your listings are converting? Yes, definitely. That's all. Yeah. And how do you do that? Because that data is very hard to get. You, yeah. 
Matt was doing that for us when he took over all of our advertising. Uh, you know, he would take a look at he would he was looking at all of that. So, uh, Kathleen, tell me what is a good team? What is the makeup of a good team in terms of function? So, what are sp specific, distinctly, you know, different roles mm -hmm. that you have to identify and then put somebody on it? And then what is a good idea to outsource? What is a good idea to do in-house? Right. Uh, you know, when you're, when you're small, when you're first starting out, you're putting on those hats yourself. <laughs> um, so, but a good team, I think, is, is first of all, you need to have good, good communication. And we're looking to have a, more of a flat hierarchy. So you know, there's no top down sort of, you can't talk to the CEO, you can't, you know, it's, we wanna be able to have good communication across all of the functionality. So, you know, you got your shipping and you got your uh, customer, you know, support and, you know, sales. And Jason, Jason is my sales guy. I mean, that's why I wanted him. He could sell ice to Eskimos and he's that, he's that sales, you know, uh, hunter guy and I'm the I'm the farmer and I'm taking care of everything behind the scenes while he goes out and and you know gets the new gets the new business and so um, for outsourcing I, I think when it comes to Amazon your advertising all of that stuff that's in it there's you really have to have a knowledge of the algorithms and how they work and if you don't have that you're you're just throwing money down the drain and you know having that outsourced was really key to our success how about um, things like uh, demand planning how much inventory to carry that was on me <laughs> so, so how did you tell because that happens to be everybody's main concern and there is no off-the-shelf solution for it it's right. just you keeping your on, eye on it yeah so what are you watching and how do you calculate how much inventory to order how much inventory to send to amazon uh, walk us through how, what what how you handle that well uh when i was when i was still doing when i was still had my hand in the day-to-day -day amazon uh side of it we were very lucky because our manufacturer was in wadsworth ohio and they would keep um a thousand units of all of our SKUs in you know, on the shelf. And so I could watch what our sales were doing. And I had a pretty good idea of what, you know, the increase would be for Christmas and, um, you know, some seasonal things, but it, it wasn't too bad to be able to just uh, take a look at what we were doing and where it was going based on our previous year. We'd look at the percentages of growth you know, factor that into the seasonal side of it. And we were, we were usually pretty close, but if we were off, it was literally a, a, a three day shipping from Wadsworth to the Amazon warehouse for FBA. So it was, it was pretty good. Oh, and um, so of course the other question is Amazon's receiving process, you know, <laughs> can take. They, yeah. Right? yeah, their, their receiving process, uh, Back then was decent, except for during the holidays, you could take, you know, 10 days before you got your, before you got your um, product on the shelf or in the bin. Um, but yeah, that, that could be a really sticky situation. 
And yeah. we ran it, we certainly ran into that with our, our current situation where we have our partner who is selling for us on Amazon right now. And with all of the restrictions through COVID, it, it was a real problem because PPE was given priority and our stuff, you know, sat in the warehouse or, or they wouldn't even let them place an order to send in. So um, uh, let's talk a little bit about, since you are the person uh, about the moving parts, let's talk a little bit about the revenue model. So you said that your item price point is $79.95, right? No, that was, it had been driven down that far. In fact, uh, in the last six months, we've been able to recover some of our, our um, price point. Okay, so back when everybody was, was selling, other distributors were selling our product, they had pushed the price point down to $79. We were normally selling at that time for $119. Mm -hmm. And so, uh, you know, that was, that was a significant loss. And so little by little, we've been able to climb back up. So for a long time, we were back at 89. Uh, last year, we were, we, we got back to 99 because everybody, you know, our prices have gone up. People are expecting those prices to go up and we pass that along to the customer. But recently we, we've actually raised our price to 119, which is where we started off way back in the day. Mm -hmm. And part of that strategy is because we have three different products. We, we wanted a, a, at least a $20 delta between each product. Otherwise, you cannibalize, you know, the, the one just above it. And uh, so now we're, we're kind of edging our way back to a $59 product um, and then a $79 product and then actually bumping up the Ultra, which is our, our really high premium product. And I think that it's a value proposition. So people look at it and say, okay, well, there's, there's a big difference between this, this $119 product and our next level down at 79, you know, what's it do? And it, it takes a little more interest in, and I think that um, it's, it's been interesting to see. We thought that we would see a dip in sales and we really have not. Yeah. <laughs> well, so, um... So you've got three different items uh, and what separates them, obviously, their quality and right. therefore it's the price point. Size and, and construction, um, the amount of gel in each, in each item. Gel is the, is the sort of pressure dispersion uh, property or, or material that, that gives you that pressure dispersion. So the way that our product works is it's a dual layer construction. So you have you have a layer of foam, which keeps its integrity. It's a, it's a high density, um, you know, it, it, it doesn't compress terribly, um, has some give, but not a lot. And then you have a layer of the, the gel over the top. So when you're sitting, you're actually sitting on a kind of a floating, you're, you're, you know, you're not getting the pressure points. And when we've been pressure mapped, um, you, there are, there are no hot spots. So like, you know, people who are sitting for like in a wheelchair, you know, they get, they get pressure sores from that. And our product is, is good for that. It's, you know, it takes that away. Um, so do, do they come in different colors? And they, do. they do. In fact, 
uh, we've we've done well with both black and gray, but we're introducing blue and uh, like it's really pretty. Blue. So your three items are three parents in that case. Yes. Right? And then each yes. parent has what Amazon calls variations. Variations. Yes. So that's that's quite a lot of work to manage in terms of replenishment, in terms of content mm -hmm. conversions and the uh, you know, buy box and ooh, yeah. Ooh. Yeah, so that that's uh, so. But right now, you're not selling directly. You have one distributor selling it mainly, and then right. you are also there. But they are the ones that are doing most of the activity. Yes, yeah, we manage, we co-manage the brand, so to speak, because I mean they really have been a good partner for us. They, I can tell them. In fact, when I when the when we raised the price, it was on my suggestion. So we need you know, every two to three weeks and, and see what's going on and, um, you know, look at all of the parameters that need to be watched. And um, they've been, they've been a good partner. So, you know, we feel it, it's not the best of both, both worlds. We, we'd really like to bring it back in house and manage it ourselves because you just have better control and you know what's yeah going. i mean there is no question about you know yeah. you, you control is the key word so yeah. um, they, there are there are different ways to manage with supply chain and selling directly mm -hmm. so what i've seen the companies do is first of all the most strict approach is nobody can sell on amazon except us you can sell anywhere else uh, but on Amazon, we'll be uh, presenting the brand ourselves. So that's the right. most frequent. And then uh, the other one is you have distributors sell on Amazon, but they have to sign the agreement and they have to respect the map policy. And, and then they can do whatever they want. They can sell all products and knowing that they will be competing with you. Yeah. So that's another way. That's the, the other uh, end of the... Uh, extreme and uh, that's somewhere in the middle which is a reasonable policy is you basically make an announcement you to your supply chain you can say look we are going to be selling directly on amazon however the following items we will not touch they are for our supply chain to sell mm -hmm. however in order to sell these these are the minimum requirements we expect from you in terms of buying volume. Right. So, so you, you look, we're giving you the, the privilege of selling an item without competition from us. Right. But you need to be placing enough orders. Right. With us. Yes. So that way they know they're not going to get, they're not going to be competing with the manufacturer. But at the same time, they have to do their part to buy enough. Yeah. And of course, they have to respect the policy. And then some of the uh, the items, you keep it to yourself. So this one, nobody else but us will be selling these items. And typically what happens is, it's the new launches uh, the manufacturer takes, brings it in-house, and then sells them. And then once it ages a little bit, then it can pass it on to the uh, supply chain. Right. Uh, or you can have some of those what you call platinum partners to right. participate in the launch sales. Of course, right. those you're selling at discount, I mean, at no discount whatsoever, full price. So uh, different practices, but, uh, you know, it, there is no right or wrong. Uh, it's mm -hmm. but the awareness that you have to regulate your yeah. supply chain. Is you really have to keep stuff. your eye on it.
yeah so uh it's something so i mean uh look this is what what you've done is is a huge deal because i know the pains you know the, from cash flow standpoint but also you can't do things this is like a drip 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 situation uh, right so you have to plan and then execute over time you can't right. change overnight so uh, right. people also have to make a living you know they they, they know their revenue source but the bottom line answer is you cannot rely your distributors to protect no. your brand. They will do whatever is in their best interest, discount uh, as Absolutely. much as possible. And then yeah. once there's no more money, then that's it. You know, right. Of course, in the process, your their volume with you goes yeah. down. Gone. Yeah. So you have to be on Amazon directly. So um, as far as... Um, your uh, goals i know that you say that you want to bring it in house that's your ultimate goal yeah right so um, assuming that you do that what kind of growth uh, are you expecting in your amazon oh journey in terms of multiples of revenues what, what are you looking to achieve i think we'd see 200 percent growth and over easily. over easily. the next year yeah if we could if we could bring it in house right now this year, we I do I think we could we would see two hundred percent growth with and what is our team managing it and what is standing in your way? Uh, cash flow at the moment, cash flow. So we're you know we're in a situation where uh, our distributor and we also have a contract with our current distributor that we have to play out for one more year. So um, we're you know we've been in a partnership with them and and we don't want to just you know. Yeah, <laughs> so it goes back to what we were talking. About. You can't just change the rules. Yeah, overnight. it takes it takes a little. And we and you know we've been approached by by other um, you know aggregators on Amazon and and you know with huge growth and it's like you know I just people promise the world and I just don't I don't uh, I don't believe it. You know yeah. I I think that we would do better with it in house and putting the focus on it that we that we know has to be there in order to make it grow and the the speed with which we move versus a big corporation it's like okay here we are in the pandemic everybody's working from home yeah it's the here, perfect we have time. you know here are new photographs here's new uh, text to put up here's new everything please get that going right yeah. focus on the work from home focus on that we should be a ppe product right right <laughs> because right. people are people are hurting you you ended up at the physical therapist yeah, because yeah, you were yeah. sitting and yeah, yeah. and you know our product should should be right up there and helping people so yeah i think i think if we if we took it back in house we would see 200% growth I, I have no doubt well i'm sure you will so uh, it's uh, i see you know, I heard from Jason, I heard from you, the company has always done the right thing. <laughs> it's like, it's like, uh, you are the perfect example of what Churchill said about American people. Uh, we don't uh, give up. <laughs> no, 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 not about giving up. He said, you can always tr trust the American people to do the right thing. Once they try everything else. <laughs> So, so, so you'll, 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 you'll do the right thing. All right, so yeah. uh, Kathleen, my last question is, is always the same. So if you could wish one thing for Amazon to change in their policies for sellers, what would that be? Bring back some seller central support, bring some, some access. I mean, it's like you open a ticket and hope for the best. 
Yeah. You, you can put your phone number in there and you might get a call back, but you probably won't. And, you know, let's work on the communication skills of the people that are working for them. Um, you know, I'm sure they're all very good people and they're trying their best. Everybody's, I, I really have a firm belief that people are doing the best they can with what they have, but they need to do a little better. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so, you know. Well, one little tip that I learned is when I have a situation, I always, I go to help, you know, you click, 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 click. And in the end, you know, it opens up, describe your issue. So yeah. I always put all the details, long email, specific yes. details. And mm -hmm. then, uh, so that creates a case. I get the case number. Then I immediately go back and create another case. Yep. And then I put reference. I put the first case number. Right, right. And then I select the call me back option. Yeah. So, so that way, and then when they, you know, they call back because it's all automated, they call back. And when they call back, I say, please take a look at the ticket that I mentioned Yeah. in this call ticket. Uh, I don't want to explain everything to you. So yeah, all the details are there the and then you can, uh, and then I'll hold, don't worry, take your time. So that way I can save my breath and I don't have to get all aggravated. <laughs> and, uh, and then at the same time, they have access to the information. And right. that tends to work for me uh, whenever I need to call. But of course, that doesn't mean you're going to get a meaningful answer. Oh, no. oh, yeah. But <laughs> right. at least now they have the information that they can forward or whatever. So that's right. always something. They've got the, the information yeah. to do what they need to do if they do it. Yeah. So yeah. Kathleen, this is great. So Tell us about yourself. So who is Kathleen Woodall? My favorite uh, last question. question. Who is um, Kathleen well, Woodall? Where, where do you live? And I know uh, you, you, you paint. What are your passions outside of work? Yeah. Um, I Well, we live in Arizona, which I miss the beach every day of my life because I grew up in California. Not that I want to go back there now, but... It's, you can't really afford to go back yet. You know, I think that there might be a correction in the market coming, but real estate there is pretty, pretty out of control. So Arizona is a pretty nice place to be right now. It's, you know, good weather and, and uh, we're coming into the spring and it's really nice. So hiking, love to get out and, and, I, and I ski. So Flagstaff is only a couple hours away, which is really nice. My son is my favorite person in the world <laughs> and we actually ski together. So oh. um, it's pretty, pretty cool. And I love, I do love to paint. And my, my grandfather was an artist, my grandmother, my mother. Um, and my grandfather on my mother's side was actually a pastel artist, one of the mediums that he used. And that was kind of my passion. I, I don't know, I just kind of fell into that and I, I've been um, pursuing it more. I've had some offers for putting stuff up in, you know, various places to, to display. So uh, that's, that's a long-term goal for me. Um, and also, you know, one of the things I really want to do when, uh, like post Jelco, um, I would like to help other businesses like us who bootstrapped for the, from the very beginning, good people trying their best to do what they can do and just need a leg up, I, I'd really like to be able to have a, a fund that helps those people to just get over the hump, you know? Yeah. Just 
So with that, tell us how people can reach you, uh, you uh, personally, and also for the company. We'll post this information on our website and on YouTube, uh, your contact, but uh, give us the uh, contact info. Yeah, for Jelco Products, info at jelcoproducts.com um, comes straight to me. And other than that, it's just my last name at jelcoproducts.com. So Woodall at jelcoproducts.com. And uh, we have an 800 number that's 1-866-45-JELCO. <laughs> so we have a lot of JELCO going on. Yeah. Um, but yeah, and our, and our website is jelcoproducts.com. And, and we're also on LinkedIn. Uh, we're on, yes, LinkedIn, eBay, um, you know, not eBay, I'm sorry, YouTube. <laughs> And uh, so, yeah, we're, we're all around. Okay. You can find us. Well, Kathleen, this is uh, extremely useful because, um, you know, it's one thing to sell. Everybody wants to sell. But really, without really, you can't really jump into this without thinking long term about yeah. your distribution, your, your strategy, your price strategy, brand strategy, distribution strategy. You really have to do it, and then you you done. If you don't do that, and then you just jump in, and it takes a lot longer to fix right. it. And obviously, you you've done it all, and you've been through it. So um, this is very useful information, yeah. and uh, I'm sure whatever is coming your way is is going to be great. So uh, okay. thank you. This is our year. <laughs> yes, and uh, thank you, thank you for coming uh, as a guest and. Uh, I enjoy talking to you, and I always admire people who make things happen out of nothing. <laughs> well, so. thank you. I've enjoyed this. This has been really good for me, too. Thank you. Thank you. So this brings us to the end of another episode, and uh, I'll see you on the next one. Thank you for tuning in to today's episode. Be sure and subscribe, rate, and review our show. And be sure and share an episode with a friend. And thank you so much for being with us today. We'll see you next week here on Amazon Legends.